Psalm 23, and uh, today we have come to the second set of parallel thoughts in the chiasm. In the Hebrew structure, the phrase in verse 3, he restores my soul, is in parallel with and filled out by the phrase in verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And the first thing that I see in both of those phrases is that God initiates this covenant meal. He owns the table. He uh, provides the food. He invites us to this table. Uh, he is the one who sustains us and uh, restores our soul. It's all of grace, in other words. Uh, it, it's not a situation because we're so good, he restores our soul. Think of it that over and over again, he has to restore our soul, and yet he still loves us. He cares for us. And it's not because we're so good that his enemies are our enemies. It's quite the contrary. We used to be enemies. And it's because of his grace that we have switched sides is really what it amounts to, at least those of us who did not grow up in the, in the covenant. But the second thing that I see is that the enemies in verse 5 explains why my soul needs restoration. It's, verse 5 says, in the presence of my enemies. Now, that's a very interesting phrase because David is uh, partaking of communion in the presence of his enemies. Now, did uh, he have any human enemies around him when he was taking communion? I, I doubt it very much, but he did have demonic enemies who were constantly attacking him. And uh, you might not think of yourself as having enemies, but you do. In fact, the church worldwide is surrounded by billions and billions, some people even think it's trillions, of demons. And the reason uh, we can come to such high figures and the Puritans came to such high figures is a simple logical deduction. I'll just give you two uh, sample scriptures that the Puritans used to talk about even more numbers than, than I have uh, very minimalistically come to. Uh, the first one is Revelation 9. In Revelation 9, verse 16, it describes an army of demons located by the Euphrates River that had 200 million demons in it. And we know elsewhere that Satan has armies in other countries of the world as well. And uh, Daniel talks about princes over various uh, nations. And um, so uh, in one spot of one country, we've got almost a quarter billion, I guess a fifth of a billion uh, demons, and it makes you wonder, okay, if there's that many there, how many demons are there in the rest of the world? It's a little scary to think about. Second, the first 12 verses of that same chapter describe the demons that were unleashed in the first century just on the land of Israel, and it says there were so many, it likens it to a locust plague that completely blots out the sun. Now, how many locusts would there be in such a plague? Well, just to give you a little bit of perspective, uh, this year, Egypt had a very uh, minor locust infestation of 30 million, and they weren't worried about it at all. Uh, in 2005, Australia had an, an infestation of billions of these locusts, and that was pretty serious. But in my lifetime, there have been a number of times where there have been locust infestations that approximate what Revelation 9 is talking about. In fact, when I was in fifth grade, uh, we, we saw this huge locust swarm coming in, 
And it literally, it was right smack dab in the middle of the day, and it made it almost as dark as night. It was just amazing. I thought this was cool. I was in fifth grade. I ran out into these insects. Whoa, I ran right back in because I was scratched up in just a matter of minutes. Uh, no fun. But anyway, it was that picture that gives many people the idea that there were billions, if not more, uh, demons that were in Israel. So think of this. you got billions of demons in Israel. you got 200 million uh, army that's located at the same time uh, by the river Euphrates. you got armies of demons elsewhere uh, in the world. And the second passage that they uh, point to is Revelation 20. At the end of history, God for a very short time is going to unleash all of the demons that by that time have been bound in the pit. And he says it's so many that it's innumerable. It says, like the sand of the seashore. That's a lot of demons. And why do I bring this up? Well, uh, my point in bringing it up is that we people don't tend to think about demons, and we should. Uh, people don't realize the constant threat that demons provide in harassing every Christian and seeking to destroy every church and every family. Week by week, I personally feel the need to be restored at the table because I feel the weight of demonic attack. I mean, even in this wonderful church, uh, we, we sense that. And many people are oblivious to it. And yet, Scripture says these demons can tempt us. They can move our hearts, just like they moved David's heart to number Israel. They can turn couples against each other. They can move people to gossip. They can cause bitterness that doesn't make any sense to arise between people. In Matthew 13, Jesus said, these demons, one of the specialties that they have is to snatch the seed that has been sown in a person's heart through the preaching of the word almost as soon as it is sown. They don't want that seed to germinate uh, in, in the people's hearts. And so there is a reason why Paul admonishes us in Ephesians 6 to continually put on the whole armor of God and continually stand against the wiles of the devil. And any Christian worth his salt is daily battling with demons. So it's no wonder that we need restoration. God spreads this table before us in the presence of our enemies. And when we are refreshed at this table, we're restored, we're strengthened, it's to go out again and get back into the battle uh, that we need to fight uh, against the, the evil ones. Just standard Puritan theology. And that brings us to the third point, that his covenant with us is secure despite those enemies. God knows all about those enemies, and he knows about the times that we have fallen into their temptations and given into their temptations, and yet time and time again he spreads that table before us in the presence of our enemies. It's just wonderful, wonderful grace that God provides. Jesus said no one can pluck us out of the Father's hands. In fact, we are so secure in his grace that every one of us ought to be able to sing a Mighty Fortress with Luther and sing it with faith. That... Um, him says, and though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. And so those two are yet another support beam, as it were, uh, supporting that central thought in verse 4 that even though we might walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we need not fear any evil, for God is with us. And I think that's just a wonderful promise to go to the Lord's table on. And so let's go to the one who initiated our salvation, 
who sustains our salvation and who will complete our salvation. As Paul says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we glory in your power. We glory in your wisdom. We glory in your love and in your graciousness. We are so thankful to you for the promises that you give to us in this a covenant meal, that you spread a table before us in the presence of our enemies. We are so grateful that even though the enemy uh, is numerous and there are demons all around us who afflict us, even though times uh, without number we have given in to the temptations of the enemies just as David did, uh, we ask your forgiveness. We put those sins under the feet of Christ and we come to be restored in our souls uh, so that we can go out in the battle against those demonic hosts. We thank you that you have seated us with Christ in the heavenly places. And uh, to those who overcome, you've even allowed us to bear that rod of iron from time to time to smash these demonic forces. And we do so in the name of Jesus Christ. It is our glory to do so. And we are so thankful that uh, we are secure in Christ. So we pray that as each one comes this morning, you would stir up new faith, new hope, new courage, new boldness, uh, new resolve within their hearts uh, to battle and to keep battling, to stand and to keep standing against all the power of the enemy. And uh, we pray that you would now set aside these common elements to a holy use and you would be glorified in our partaking. In Jesus' name, amen.